The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. A lot of good submissions today. A lot of good submissions today. Put out a tweet right before going on air, 15, 20 minutes before hitting record on this thing. I said, who do you guys want my show opening rant to be about today? Some really good submissions in there. Colin Sexton made an appearance, but can't go down that road or I'm going to get destroyed by the Sexton fan base. You guys already know. Sadiq Bey, Dame, Kristaps Porzingis. Protocols probably deserves a rant at some point here because we are losing bodies to it. Chris Middleton, protocols. Tobias Harris, protocols. Lowry Markinen, protocols. Jakob Pertl, protocols. We don't know exactly which of these guys are testing positive, but the fact that we're getting report that each of them is set to miss multiple games leads me to believe that it's probably all of them. Although they've been a little more covert with Pirtle and with Markinen than they were with Chris Middleton, where they just came out and they were like, he's going to miss 10, 10 days at least. So he's positive and probably symptomatic. I don't know what we know about Pirtle or Markinen, but maybe we can hold out hope that they're only out for like a week. But great though those submissions may be, we got a, a JJJ question in there. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, De'Aaron Fox, Zion. I think I got to talk about more of an aggregate. So, joke's on you guys. I asked you guys for submissions, and then I looked at all of them and thought, you know what, there's an overlying theme here, or underlying theme. Is it over? Is it lying over all of this, or is it lying beneath it? It's a little bit of both. So today, let me talk to you a little bit about expectations expectations are a confusing monster because they can really really screw up the way we analyze data it is so important in life to go into whatever project you're working on specifically here if we're going to talk fantasy numbers wise with proper expectations because I already did a show opening rant on Jaron Jackson Jr. and how he's one of the easiest buy low recommendations I've ever given out and that remains the case but yet as I as we talk about someone like a JJJ in in a basketball sphere and I'm not calling anybody out with this because this is not one person it's not 10 people it's a lot of fantasy Twitter saying stuff like when is JJJ going to get his first 10-rebound game this year? And it's just a, a complete misfire in expectations. If anybody was selling you the bill of goods that Jaron Jackson Jr. was going to get 10 rebounds in a game this year, you should have socked him right in the nose. Because JJJ, which is going to get annoying to say over and over again, but that's where we're at right now, Jackson has been in the NBA since 2018. 18-19 was year one. 19-20 was year two. Last year was year three. This is already now his fourth regular season in the NBA. 
He's never really played 30-plus minutes a game, which this year may be the target for him is more like the 29-30 range. So, okay, we can bulk it up a little bit, tweak the, the knob on his playing time ever so slightly. But even if you do that, per 36s actually are useful. We like to uh, make fun of our buddy Jonas Nader for loving per 36s uh, on the real big three, which, again, taking a hiatus for a year. Because most guys in the NBA don't play 36 minutes, and the guys that are putting up monster numbers in 21 minutes, usually the, the, the line of their productivity kind of levels off a bit as they have to dial back the energy. But for a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr., and for really a lot of the guys that are kind of just sub-36 minutes, the starters that aren't quite getting all the way to that very lofty minute-per-game target, because there's at this point, there's only 15 guys in the NBA that, have actually, that are playing 36 minutes a game right now. 14, I believe. And then there's another, like, 10 that are in the 35-minute range, another 15 that are in the 34-minute range. So it really picks up from there. But these guys that are in the, like, 30-minute range, and JJJ is a little bit sub that because of some foul trouble games, those guys, you can generally extrapolate their production line into whatever the additional minutes might be. So Jaron Jackson, in 2019, pre-injury, played averaged about 28.5 minutes per game, averaged 4.6 rebounds. Yes, most of his minutes in his career have come at the power forward spot, so there was a hope that this year he might be able to squeeze a couple more center minutes out, and that does bump rebounding rate up ever so slightly. And we were actually already seeing that because in 26 minutes per game this year, he's uh, just above five rebounds a ball game, which would be second only to last season in the limited sample size when he averaged five and a half in only 24 minutes per game. But that's not, he's not a rebounder. It's just not who he is. He's strong, but that's just not his style of play. And playing alongside Jonas Valanciunas is going to depress your rebounds. And playing alongside Steven Adams is going to slightly depress your rebounds. But the reason that I'm focusing so hard on JJJ is that I there's this expectation around specific players that is just out of left field. If you drafted Jaron Jackson, and I did in a number of spots, so I'm sitting on him and waiting for this thing to get turned around. Basically, the only stat I'm looking at right now, not officially, but basically the only stat, I might argue two of his numbers right now are probably not changing much. And those two numbers are, it's going to be a pretty good free throw percent for him. Not a thousand, but pretty good. And rebounds aren't going to go very far. Because this is who he is. If you drafted him to be your center, you had to know you were getting blocks and three-pointers and good free throw percent and generally a serviceable field goal percent. I'll go, that's the thing that's, that's crushing him right now. Out of this draft slot and you were far from being covered in your rebounding needs so then and again i i don't mean to call anybody out i don't want anybody like looking up the tweets that i'm talking about but it just it set some stuff off in my head um about how people 
look at at players. And so I, I said something back to someone that was like, look, like JJJ, he's not going to be a 10 rebound guy. That's not the kind of center he is. And this person said, I'd rather have Jonas Valanciunas. And I was like, well, okay, yeah, like JV's been number 10 so far this year. We'd all rather have Jonas Valanciunas right now because he was drafted at 50 and he's currently a first rounder. JJJ was drafted eight slots earlier and he's currently a seventh rounder. So yeah, we'd all rather have JV right now. But they're just not the same thing. If you drafted Jonas Valanciunas, you're drafting him for field goal percent and rebounds. He's at 1.3 blocks right now and .9 steals. I don't want you guys looking at these numbers. And I have JV in a number of spots also. He was one of our favorites here on Fantasy NBA Today. You guys remember that. So this, I thought it would be a fair way to do this discussion because these are actually two players and we like them both. I like JJJ a lot as a value this year. I liked JV a lot as a value this year. But we also have to look at this through the right prism, which is Alan Chunas is currently playing for a New Orleans team that's down Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. The two most important players on the team are out. So his path to minutes is unencumbered. It was always going to be probably in the 28 ish minute per game range for him but he's at 34 right now because there's just no one else there and so when you extrapolate his rebounding ability to 34 minutes a game the stuff that he's doing right now is actually not that nuts and he averaged 12 and a half rebounds last year for memphis in 28 minutes a game you add another basically 20 percent to that yeah it gets you to 14 and a half 0.6 steals 0.9 blocks last year the blocks were on the lower side but he's always been uh, somewhere around one and a half blocks per 36, and he's almost at 36 minutes right now. So the stuff he's doing, doing at the moment, steals are on the high side. That'll come down. And then free throw percent at 90. He's had multiple seasons where he's been around 80, but he's never been at 90. So that'll come back to earth. Also, he's taking a ton of them. He's averaging five free throws a game, which is way more than he's hit uh, at any point, other than that half season in Memphis where he had carte blanche just go bananas. And he did. He went bananas. It's just, it's a lot, lot, it looks an awful lot like what he's doing right now. So the steals will come down. The free throw percent will come down. But again, this isn't about guys reverting to the mean. It's not about who you'd rather have in this moment. Obviously, it's JV. He's been better than all but nine players in the NBA to this point. Obviously, it's Jonas Valanciunas. There are only nine guys in the NBA. You could say, who would you rather have right now? And the answer would not be JV. I mean, we're talking about some pretty significant names. Who would you rather have, Jonas Valanciunas or Anthony Davis? It's JV right now. But expectations. If you took JJJ with your fourth round pick, you were taking care of blocks out of your big man spot. Strong free throw shooting out of your big man spot, covering any sort of three pointer deficiency that maybe you had with a guard. Like for me, I have a ton of Jimmy Butlers floating around on my teams, a boatload of them, but Jimmy doesn't shoot threes. I always think of that character in Seinfeld who refers to himself in the third person named Jimmy. Jimmy, sweet on you, Elaine. She thinks it's someone else, but it's him. Anyway, Jimmy Butler doesn't take three pointers. Jimmy pairs great with a later guy. Three, two, well, I guess it'd be two rounds later because Butler was a second round pick this year for 
unknown reasons, should have been in late first all the way through, because JJJ now is a big man who hits threes, that covers Butler, gets blocks, that covers Butler. Jimmy shoots the ball great, so slightly lower field goal percent out of a big man. And then Butler gets you seven rebounds from a small forward shooting guard spot. So JJJ getting you five and a half or whatever it's going to be this year isn't the end of the world. But it's all about roster construction. If you went into the season drafting Jonas Valanciunas for three pointers or a ton of blocks, well, the blocks are pretty good right now, but they're going to trend down and he's not going to hit three pointers. If you went into the year drafting JJJ for rebounds, you just looking, you've been sold a bill of goods or you saw the center tag next to his name and just assumed that rebounds would be there. So this is not me saying that JJJ is a problem. It's not me saying that Jonas Valanciunas is the world champion, and it's not the opposite. This is not me saying that JJJ is about to be a first-rounder, although I do actually think he'll have a couple-week stretch this year where he's posting first-round value. Book it. It's not me saying that JV is about to drop back into the 50 range. We always thought he was going to be better than that. It's why he was one of our target guys. This is about understanding what guys can and can't do and where their value comes from. It's really just a fundamental misunderstanding of how categorical value is computed. How can JJJ possibly be a top 25, top 30 guy if he doesn't get 10 rebounds out of the center spot? It's pretty easy. Kristaps Porzingis does it every year, although he's what? He's like around eight rebounds, eight and a half sometimes, so a little bit better there. But it's pretty easy to get up into that range when you can block two shots a game, when you're a big man who can hit three-pointers and not tank free throw percent. Don't think about what position someone plays when you're computing just straight numbers. Obviously, for roster construction, you have to think about what position they play. But just for straight numbers, there are big men who get big men type of stats. There are big men who get sort of non-big many kind of stats, and there are guards that do the flip. Jimmy Butler being a good rebounder and a terrible three-point shooter who has great field goal percent is sort of big man-ish of him. He blends it in with more guard-type stuff. Six assists, a ton of steals, great free throw percent. He's a nice example to use because he's number three right now, so that makes it pretty easy. But these guys exist across the board. DeMar DeRozan, low three-pointer count, good percentages from a guard, there are some st- there's things that he does that are a little more big man-ish than guard-ish. It's called out-of-position stats. You just It's all about where value lies. It's almost like the same discussion of why Miles Turner was so poo-pooed last year. Well, he gets his value out of one statistical category. Yeah, but how many guys in the NBA could basically win you a category by themselves? And I've... And that's generally a hyperbolic statement to make. It's like, oh, this guy gets 12 assists a game. He could win you this category by himself. He couldn't because 48 assists isn't going to win you a week. Miles Turner averaging, you know, four to five blocks for a few weeks last year. He literally could win you that category by himself. He could go out in a week and get you 24 blocks, and that actually wins some head-to-head matchups without a single teammate. But of course, he's going to have teammates on your team, and even if the rest of your guys just bungle their way into six blocks, he could win you a stat. That's why 
specialists have appeal. I get it. And JJJ is a little bit of a specialist appeal. If his blocks get up and over two and his three-pointers climb towards three and his field goal percent evens out, you're getting an incredible value. It's just not a guy who rebounds. He's not a center who's going to be a field goal percent rebounder type. But he does, as one of your two centers, gives you the opportunity to go get one who's not a great foul shooter and a great rebounder. Go get, I don't know, I know Clint Capella hasn't been all that great to start this year, but go get a Clint Capella. Can't shoot free throws, blocks shots, gets a ton of rebounds. Now you got your two centers sorted out. And together, they don't really hurt you in free throws. Let your guards do the lifting there. Get a guard who's going to also rebound a little bit. So this is your rant about specialist appeal, and it took a lot longer than I intended. This is a 15-minute rant to open the show, but you guys have to understand the math behind this stuff. It's not just, oh, this center gets rebounds, he's a good center. It's where are my stats coming from, and where does the value lie in what certain guys can do? Rudy Gobert, you guys all hated him. I somehow became the Rudy Gobert guy because I was like, oh, this guy field goal percent rebounds and blocks. And he's doing it again. Rudy Gobert is number 25. Those categories matter. I just don't get it. People are so head over heels over guys that can score and get assists and steals. are more than willing to take a dump on the guys who get rebounds, blocks, and field goal percent. It's the number of categories that people are good in and how good they are at them. That's what matters. It's just math. I can't make the numbers do something they're not already doing. This isn't a a political poll. This, This is just raw stats. Welcome to the show. That was a sizable rant. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Promo time. Please do follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hit me up about any number of things. We're going buck wild on social media these days. Got a couple of you guys that hit me up about those open podcast spots right now. Again, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you would like to throw your hat in the ring to be the new host of our Brooklyn Nets podcast with an existing audience, hit me up. If you'd like to be a Monday through Friday host of our sports betting podcast, that one, uh, the upside is just ridiculous on that particular show. Hit me up again on Twitter. All of this can be done via social media, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from Hoopball. That generally gets the job done. Also, Thank you to everybody again who continues to drop ratings and reviews on the pod. If you have a moment to flip a five-star review on it today, again, I will blow you electronic kisses because you deserve her. You deserve it. Learn how to talk, Dan. Uh, let's see if anybody wrote something funny this year. No, you guys are writing You guys are writing nice stuff. Say something funny. No, I'm kidding. Nice stuff is good, too. Thank you to everybody that continues to do that. Open the podcast app on your mobile device or flip to the podcast tab in iTunes on a machine. Search for Fantasy NBA Today, because you're going to need to click on the show title and then just drop a quick five-star review on it. Again, if you want to write something funny, I will read it on air. If you're just going to write something nice, I'm not going to read it on air, because then it just sounds like I'm stroking myself. So thank you to D Nice and Bill for the latest reviews on the pod. And someday on the show, I'll just go through and I'll 
thank everybody one day. One by one. We'll just thank y'all. I felt like we could do a slightly longer rant today because there were only five games yesterday, but let's dive into those now. Milwaukee beat Detroit 117-89. Giannis cruising. Chris Middleton into COVID protocol now, so that is going to flip things around a little bit. I guess he was in a uh, pregame yesterday, so they're, they're all mishmashed. Uh, Drew Holiday is expected back at some point soon. The feeling I'm getting from trying to read the tea leaves out there is that they want him back by this weekend or early next week. So that means George Hill, Grayson Allen, and now Pat Connaughton, who can slide down and play a more comfortable small forward spot. Those guys are all reasonable streams. And the fact that Giannis basically just won this game without help, he doesn't need help. He figured that thing out during Phoenix in the playoffs last year, and there's just... There's just nothing that can stand in his way other than general regular season malaise. Because the Bucks are only 4-4, four and four, so they've been meh so far this year, but they'll be fine. And the fact that they're 4-4 four and four, while now missing almost all of their starters is pretty amazing. Detroit was bad. They scored just 89 points. The fact that Jeremy Grant escaped without a complete disaster of a game is a win in the grand scheme of things. Kelly Olenek, just 16 minutes. He's still a hold. We know how good he can be. Isaiah Stewart, 24 minutes. He's also a hold, although, again, I tried to warn you guys, he was going to get overdrafted a little bit. One of those dudes that got pushed up the board. My hope, you guys remember this? My hope was that when they signed Olenek, that would push Stewart back onto the 100 range, and it just didn't happen. So I ended up with very few Isaiah Stewart's on my rosters. I have some Kelly Olynyks though, and I've, I've got to believe at some point they sort this thing out, but it's going to take a bit of time. Sadiq Bey can't shoot. He'll be fine, though. He gets uh, more usage than he knows what to do with. And then Cade Cunningham is trying to settle in a little bit. He played 29 minutes here. You know, as he goes, a lot of these guys are going to go because he's the primary ball handler now. So hope for the best. Close your eyes, hope for the best. That's the way to handle rookies. Miami beat Dallas 125-110. Bam Adebayo back after a one-game absence. Only one assist, and that is going to be a, a theme throughout the year. We'll be watching that. Uh, right now, the fact that Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's always good. There's rarely a break for him. But Kyle Lowry has ramped up the last couple of ball games, And then Tyler Hero also doing more ball handling. That has collectively diminished the need to run offense through Bam in the high post. But they're still going to have to do it. At some point, Duncan Robinson's going to have to spread the floor a little bit better. He hasn't been good so far. Now, he's not a pickup, by the way, but P.J. Tucker is going to hit those corner threes. Markeith Morris is getting a few minutes here and there. They're going to have sets that they run through Bam. Uh, and so I do think the assists trend up maybe towards three, but he's not going to get back up to that five number simply because they just don't need to. And he's ratcheted up his aggressiveness on offense which is excellent also he's currently sitting right at the right in the third round territory so not quite where we want him to be but he got two blocks yesterday and I do believe that even if the assists don't trend up that far the fact that his steals and blocks are moving back towards his career mark that's going to be the thing that moves him up probably about another round on per game value and I also expect him to hopefully not miss his next game for another month, a month and a half. So hopefully with Bam, the target with him was always get near your ADP in per game, even if you're slightly behind it, and then ride that durability all the way to the finish line. So hopefully that one missed game was the last. 
On the Kyle Lowry front, got a couple of questions about Lowry. A uh, couple of big ball games now has pushed him back up to number 69 on the season. I think because he started so slowly and is now having a couple of good ball games, you're not going to get the value back you'd want if you were trying to move him. You're going to need another, another couple of good ones uh, before you can trade him. Tyler Hero is sitting right at 59 without ever getting a steal or a block. He did finally get one, though, in one game. He has one steal so far this year. I think they went back and they re-added it. But he's shooting 47% from the field on 18 shots a ball game. There's a lot of stuff for him that's probably going to come back a little bit, uh, but they're giving him much more in their offense. So it's possible that the scoring doesn't come down all that much, maybe just as much as the field goal percent comes with it. I, I do believe that the rebounding and the assists, six boards, four and a half assists, that probably does taper off a little bit. So if you can get someone ranked near where Tyler is right now, that would be a win. Mavs need Porzingis back or Maxi Kleba because uh, Dwight Powell's not getting the job done. He got himself into foul trouble. Tim Hardaway Jr. hasn't been very good so far. Jalen Brunson has, and I think when he gets the starting job like that, that's when you can probably trust him. The problem is that how do you know a day or two in advance? You don't. So it's going to have to be a last-minute thing with Jalen. If he's not starting, you can't trust it because he doesn't do enough besides score. Tim Hardaway should be okay. I know he hasn't been very good so far this year, but, like, well enough. Number 108 right now. So it's sitting just right on the edge of must-start territory. And then I feel like I need to clear something up. The the Dorian Finney-Smith stuff, I've been hashtagging him the road to top 90. I actually do think he gets around the top 100 mark, but there's a little bit of a sarcasm element to it. I just think he's got a profile as an interesting 3 and D type that fills out the end of a roster, particularly on the head-to-head side, because he's just going to be quietly fine every ball game. He'll have a big one, then he'll have a quiet one. There's no upside there. So I hope people didn't think that I was seriously like Dorian Finney-Smith, must-stash, must-start, do-everything-you-can-to-get-him kind of guy. It's a little bit more of a facetious attack uh, on a guy that I like, but he's, he's more in that kind of Danny Green mold where no one's going to get excited about it, and you just want him out there as often as possible to fill out your, your head-to-head roster as kind of a low turnover, three-pointers, rebounds, steals, blocks kind of stuff. And then as his field goal percent comes up, his, uh, his rank will as well. Sacramento unable to seal the deal once again. Kings are, I would say, the best 3-4 and four team in the NBA right now. They've lost some close ones. They've had a very road-heavy schedule, although they lost their two home games, so, you know, whatever. But couldn't quite get over the hump in this one either. They need Darren Fox to be better. That's, the, that's really the only thing you need to know about Sacramento right now. Utah side, there's never anything to talk about there. They are the same thing every time. Uh, people want to know what, what to do with Jordan Clarkson. He was never someone I was taking in Roto because he really maxed out last year when everybody was hurt. He's a head-to-head guy who's having a, a brutal shooting start to the season, but he'll push his way back up into that 120 range when the shot comes around. Because in general, and yesterday he was particularly bad, but in general, he's going to get a lot of shots. They're not taking that away from him. Mike Conley had a big ball game. suppose that was notable because it pushed him up to number 56 in nine cap. But the story with him is the same. He's a Roto games cap roll of the dice guy who was getting drafted later than his per game mark because we know he's not playing every game this year. 
Pels led at halftime. They didn't lead after the start of the fourth quarter because Chris Paul decided it was time. 14-7 and 18 assists for CP3. Of course, the stories in this ballgame, uh, first, Herb Jones suffered a concussion on the New Orleans side, so they're down yet another warm body. And that just means more stuff for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's barely hanging on right now. And, you know, we've we've discussed this before. He's number 91. He has massive field goal percent issues that are not about to disappear. But there's just enough for him to do right now that you kind of just have to roll with it. I don't think you will have to roll with it when everybody comes back for this team. But we also don't know if everybody's going to come back for this team. Zion hasn't even... He's being reevaluated in like three weeks. Who knows what happens at that point? Devontae Graham's been pretty good. Just keep rolling him out there. JV obviously has been amazing. And then Josh Hart is maybe the free agent story of the night, although there's some stuff on the Phoenix side as well. Hart, 16-9, going to rebound a ton out of that guard spot. That's that same kind of thing. Like, here's a guard who gets a ton of rebounds. Problem with Josh Hart is he's going to be hurt in the next two to three weeks. It's just the way it goes with him. He plays so hard. He rebounds so hard that his body can't handle it after a certain number of days in a row. So start him, pick him up, start him. Much safer play in a games cap format because when that injury strikes, you can just stuff him off to the side. But again, while everybody's hurt on this team, he's a must-do guy. Start, Pick him up, start him, whatever you got to do to make that happen for the short term, and then we'll kind of feel it out as guys do start to come back on that Pelican side. The other note on the Phoenix front is that DeAndre Ayton, who we know is going to be out for this ballgame, they went JaVale McGee as the starting center, and he had 18-5 and with a block. The four turnovers kind of artificially depressed what was otherwise a pretty damn good ball game. And I'm actually comfortable. And, and, you know, we don't know exactly when DeAndre Ayton is coming back. It didn't sound like it was a huge deal. He's questionable, I believe, for their next ball game. Right leg contusion. If he has to miss another ball game, and I know Frank Kaminsky had the huge one with 17 points, three boards, three assists, four steals, a block, a three-pointer, made all of his free throws. Frank the Tank could play 28 minutes and do very little in their next ballgame. You could potentially start both of them. I'd feel more comfortable with McGee because you know he's going to block a shot. Maybe two, maybe three. You know he's going to shoot like six for nine because Chris Paul's not going to let him take bad shots. He's probably going to turn it over because he does that because he's a goofball. Uh, And then rebounding-wise, it's hard to know with McGee. He might get you seven or eight. In 18 minutes, or he might get you three. But either way, you're going to get a field goal percent block mega boost over the very short term. Remember a couple years ago when McGee had to play starters minutes for the Lakers for like three months and then got pneumonia? First of all, that was crazy. I can't believe that's the way that season shook out for him. I think that might have been 2018. Is that 18, 19? Someone probably can think of it quicker than I can. Uh... But when he was playing those 24, 25 minutes a game, he was a top 50 guy. He actually finished that year around the top 60. 12 points, 7.5 rebounds. I pulled it up. 75 games he played, but he just wasn't the same after the pneumonia. Shot 62% on 8.5 shots per game, and that's without Chris Paul getting the basketball. Two blocks, half a steal. So yeah, hell yeah, especially Roto Games Cap, because in head-to-head, this might not even be one game. But if you can grab him for one day and just power boost yourself in a couple of cats, I'm all about it. Go get yourself some JaVale. More interested in him than Kaminsky, who, again, you come off the bench, if things don't break your way, if his shot's not falling, 
I don't think he's going to get four steals again anytime soon. Uh, Houston and the Lakers. Lakers really were full-on sleepwalking through this until about the last six minutes. And then the weirdest, I'm not sure if most of you guys saw this, the weird officiating decision I think I've ever seen went down in this ballgame where Kent Bazemore got fouled, shot two free throws, made them, and then about two and a half game minutes later, the officials went back, realized that they had given him free throws when it should have been side out because the Lakers were not actually in the ben- in the bonus yet, took the points off, but didn't give the Lakers any kind of extra possession of the basketball. Like, if you really wanted that to be a fair assessment, they should have just stopped the game, given the Lakers one basically untimed possession. You could put a 24-second shot clock on it and reset it if they get an offensive rebound. But basically, Lakers get a possession, almost like playing pickup hoops, Half-court style. Half-court pickup hoops. You go until the other team either stops you and gets the defensive rebound or you make a bucket. They should have had one free possession if that's what you can do. Instead of just removing two points because they just basically rewarded Houston for an open-court foul on Kent Bazemore and then gave them the basketball. That's eventually what happened. So that was pretty weird. But the Lakers ended up winning, so, you know, no harm, no foul, that kind of thing. Russ, AD, LeBron, those guys are starting to settle in a little bit with one another offensively, and certainly playing Houston twice will help in that regard. Melo's still rolling. Just go until it's not working anymore. And then on the Houston side, you know, every once in a while, they're going to run into a team that doesn't take them seriously at all, and then they can get cooking. Jayshon Tate finally had a big ball game. He is all over the damn map so far this year. So it becomes really difficult to say the following. Please hold. Because when he's playing starters minutes, he's been great. But his minutes are so insane. Listen listen to this. 21, oof. 28, 35, all right. 27, pretty good. 15, 18, 35. Just cut him loose. In the, in the five out of his seven games where he's played, uh, four, excuse me, of his seven games where he's played starters minutes, he's gone for 16, 14, and five with a steal, 12, eight, and four with two steals, six, three, and one with a block. That was the letdown game. And then last night, 25 and two, a steal, two blocks, and two three-pointers. And then in the other games, combined, he has 15 points, 14 rebounds, and four assists. So I know you can't just throw things out. That's not the way it works. I get it. But at the same time, can't you? They clearly want to play him. He's the starter. But every once in a while, they just don't. So stick with it. Stick with it for now. Uh, Good things most likely coming in the not-too-distant future on the Jayshon Tate front. Elsewhere in that ball game, uh, Christian Wood, 26 and 16, but one for five at the free throw line. So that put a little bit of a lid on what could have been a pretty fun game. Kevin Porter had five defensive stats to cover up the five turnovers, the missed free throw and the bad shooting. And it's going to be back and forth kind of year for him. I mean, we, you know, I'm not here to just clown on Kevin Porter. It's, it is what it is. He's number 203 and it's going to be a long year. And yeah, that's where we're at. But those three guys probably need to be on rosters. And then Jalen Green probably needs to be on rosters as well. I, you know, he had a great shooting game, 24 points, five three-pointers, five assists, but no defensive stats, seven turnovers. So again, it's going to be a balancing act with these young guys. 
That's just the name of the game. This episode is all episodes brought to you by our buddies at manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20. Get yourself a holiday gift. They're coming up now. Groom thyself. The lawnmower 4.0, that's the big guy. That's the big bopper. Their flagship item. Pinch-free sideburn technology. Trim it. And then if you want to get something smaller, that could be just to show your love of hoopball or grooming, whatever. Manscaped boxers, t-shirts, deodorant, lotion, powders, shaving kits, like a floor mat, nail clipper. I like that. I've got the the shears. That's their nail clipper. They've got straight razors there as well if you want to go for the... uh, Straight razor, that's not the right term. Single blade razor is the correct term. They've got a multi-blade razor as well. Uh, lots of good stuff there. And I know that Lawnmower 4.0 is, whatever, is 60 70 bucks. That's a little bit of a bigger item. Still, 20% off, free shipping. Not $12, $14, $15 off of that thing. Uh, if you want to go out there and get the shears for 20 bucks and take $4 off, that's fine too. Good stuff, good stuff. Manscaped.com, good company, good product, good partner for us here at HoopBall. HoopBall20, the promo code, go check them out immediately a little bit of homework for tonight probably should have some considering there's uh just a boatload of basketball happening this evening and uh got a a couple of gambling angles going on tonight as well and we're not going to go through each game one by one here but i will point out the stuff that's worth paying attention to larry markinen now in protocols joining kevin love so the cavaliers front court is something to keep an eye on the portland power forward position battle we will continue to monitor rob covington larry nance jr nick's pacers not a whole lot there malcolm brogdon coming back so we'll keep an eye on tj mcconnell if you want to bench him for a game i'm fine with that but it did look like he got his motor back in that last one and he was playing 22 23 24 minutes even before brogdon got hurt i think indy's got to learn their lesson here you can't play brogdon 39 minutes a game and not expect him to get dinged up somehow. Toronto, Chris Boucher watch continues for Washington. It's mostly about how Gafford reinserts himself onto a team that's just playing their tails off so far this year. Boston, Orlando, how does Boston bounce back from a little bit of, I don't want to call it infighting because everything was said with a positive attitude, but there's obviously some concern out there that the way they're playing is not what they're looking for. Orlando, the, can Chuma Kiki get over the hump? And Cole Anthony's heater is rolling. Chicago, nothing really. Philly, it's going to come down to who's good to go. I think Joel Embiid's expected back for this ball game, so that takes a whole lot of usage off the table. But Seth Curry's been very good. The Maxi Thibel streaming stuff has been a mixed bag at times. And honestly, I think I've said it before, I'm just sort of over it. Even though that's a dumb thing to say because Thibel's been a standard league value on just the defensive stats. I just, it's tough, man. It, he's got to get his four defensive stats, and he's generally done it. And then with Maxi, there just hasn't been enough other stuff. He's kind of been the flip side of that. Hawks showed a little bit of consistency in their last ball game. Would like to see that continue here. For Brooklyn, nothing. Clippers, Nick Batum is the guy I'm watching. He's been ramping up as other guys have been ramping down. Is this the game Reggie Jackson stops shooting 7 for 20? At least get me like a 9 for 20 out there, Reggie. Get a couple of free throws. Do something. Minnesota's down uh, potentially a couple of point guards. We'll see how things go. Malik Beasley's been a a, uh, 
popular ad, and for probably good reason. But we'll watch the power forward spot as well with a couple guys out. Does that open up enough little bits of usage? I doubt it. Denver and Memphis rematch. Game the Nuggets just couldn't score in a couple nights back. I think this one will probably feature a few more points. Grizzlies, we're seeing Steven Adams trending down a little bit after a really good start to the year. His minutes haven't dipped that much, a little bit, some, some games more than others, but it really does seem to be more just about how they're going to play. We'll see if John Morant, he was talking about getting JJJ more involved in this ballgame, and he should be able to. Jaron Jackson matched up with Aaron Gordon. This is a, a winnable matchup. We shall see. Michael Porter Jr. on the other side. Both those guys got off to good starts when these two teams played on Sunday or Monday, whatever the hell that was. And then they both fell apart. Jackson foul trouble. Porter just started missing. Something's going to click at some point. The confidence is going to get there, and it's going to be nuts. Dallas, uh, I believe Porzingis is questionable for this ballgame. I don't think he's been fully ruled out yet. So we can cross our fingers on that one. Um, and if, you know, there's a Dwight Powell stream thing that might shake out here, but it's hard to know, because if either of the other centers comes back, Kleba or Porzingis, then you certainly can't do it. Jakob Pertl in protocols on the Spurs side. Got a lot of questions about him on Twitter this morning. I I'm more in favor of the wait-and-see approach. There's a Drew Eubanks possibility, Kata Bates-Jop, Thad Young, they might run a small center. Th there isn't a clear other choice for this Spurs team and of them the only guy in that group I think that can pose fantasy value is Thad Young would I pick him up before the game no I don't think you need to but what I would say is homework time watch this game live if things are going well like if Thad plays a dozen first half minutes that might be enough to say all right I'm gonna pick him up if he gets a dozen in the second half we're cooking Pelicans in Sacramento that's a tough back-to-back -to -back flying from Phoenix to Sacktown. Um, it's a late game here, so at least they you know, had a, a night to recover. This is just the kind of weirdo game where the Kings are going to take it too lightly, even though they need to pick up more wins. I like the Kings a bit. I like Dal uh, Denver in an earlier game on the betting standpoint. Fantasy-wise, not a whole lot there. And then Charlotte, Golden State, not a whole lot there either. We're just sort of watching how the pieces fit together in Charlotte and P.J. Washington probably at the tip of that peace-fitting spear. All right, that'll do. That'll do. Voice tired. Show 34 in a row in the books. Again, hit me up if you want to be a host of one of our open podcasts or a different one. Doesn't have to be those two, but we'd love to fill them because they have already existed. They have a built-in fan base. Wouldn't you guys like to be a podcast host of a show that has fans already? Damn right you would. Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hoopball is Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. Gotta follow them if you want your up-to-the-minute fantasy news. That's your blurb feed to follow. Hoop-ball.com if you want to go get a premium sub. You can talk to me in our premium Discord channel. I answered like 100 questions on Monday. That was, that was bonkers. Hopefully, I will not have to answer that many again. <laughs> All right, folks, have a good day. I'm Dan Vesperus for Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy whatever day of the week it is. I think I'm told it's Wednesday. Back at you tomorrow. 35 in a row tomorrow. We'll get you then.
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.